We are in the series called Counterculture, and we're looking at these very countercultural teachings. They just don't seem logical. They just don't make sense. That Jesus is teaching us, if, listen, if we'll follow these, that there's going to be these blessings that are going to come our way. We call these the Beatitudes, and, and so we get to see several of them. We've looked at many already. We've looked at blessed are the poor in spirit, which that doesn't really feel like a blessing. But Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are those who mourn. For they're going to be comforted. And he said, but blessed are, are, are the meek because they're going to inherit the earth. Talked about being uh, somebody that's hungry and thirsty. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He said, blessed are, are, are the merciful because they're going to be shown mercy. And so Jesus has been teaching us and showing us these things that we would be doing that are very counter cultural, and he's talking about this blessing that we're going to all get, and this comes from this word makarios, and this word is this, that we're going to have this fortune or this favor that's going to bring this joy in our life, and it's a joy that the world can't compete with, and the world can't even offer it, and the world can't take it away either. And as, as he lays these out, it, it's not this multiple choice, say, hey, which one of these would you like, and, and pick the ones that resonate with you, and you do those. He said, no, no, this is something that you need to take all of these, that this is how you should be, that this should be your position and your attitude that you take in life. And when you do this, there's going to be blessings that are going to follow, that, that we would be able to experience this and be able to have this. And so I, I know that we can look at some of these and go, um, hey, I, I like that whole idea of being filled, so I'm willing to be hungry for a little bit. I guess I'll hunger for rights, so I'll, I'll pick that one, you know. And So we like, we like some of these, but that poor in spirit, we're like, um, no, um, I'll, I'll leave. Somebody else, somebody else could take that. You want, you, want you, want, you want poor in spirit? You know, and we look at some of these, and we're like going, but I, I, don't, I don't really want that one. It's not multiple choice, though. That this, this is the way that, that we should be when it, when it comes to life. And, and I realize that not everybody that's listening is somebody who's already bowed the knee of their heart to Jesus. And so when you, when you hear some of these things, you might be going, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Because I think even those of us that have bowed the knee of our heart, we struggle with some of these things. For some, we go, I'm not sure that I, have, I really want to have to be somebody that's showing mercy, but, but I definitely want to be shown some mercy. Okay, so so I, I better do this. Well, today we're going to talk about blessed are the pure in heart. That's what we're going to be looking at as we look at this one today. Blessed are, 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 the, are the pure in heart. And so when, when I think about having this pure heart, I, I think about when, when we see somebody or know somebody and, and they've just got a, a heart that's just kind of precious and tender and they're, they're really good about loving on others and being selfless, that, that we can say that they have a, a heart of, and we use this word, gold, Right? And we're just talking about them because, but they, their, their heart's just so pure. They, they've got this heart of gold. Sometimes we even compensate for people because there's something about them that might look a little intimidating, might look a little off, and we want somebody to know about their heart. You, you think about that guy that could be really big and, and, and he's like, it's that guy that you might be intimidated to walk into a dark alley and, see, and you're like going, no, 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 you don't, you, don't, you don't know. You don't understand because he has a, a heart of gold and we're, we're trying to make sure that they know this about them. Well, as Jesus ends up sharing this with us, he, he says that there's going to be a blessing that's going to come with a pure heart. And so what Jesus says, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's a pretty incredible blessing that we would be able to actually see God. And I don't think Jesus is talking about in this lifetime. 
I think he's talking about an eternity. That, that we're going to get to see God. We're going to get to be with God. That we get to do this. And, and this is one of those blessings that we're like going, uh, I, I want that blessing. I, even if you're somebody, you're just kind of kicking the tires of Christianity. And you're not going, I'm, I'm really not sure what I believe about it. You're going, but if there is a God, I definitely want to see that God. I, I, I want to know that God. And I think this has been one of these series. It's such a great series for somebody that you're like going, hey, I'm kind of on the fence. I really don't know yet for sure what I, what I believe. I, I've, I've heard some things. I've even read some things in the Bible. I, I've seen some Christians, the way they behave, it's kind of a turnoff to me. And, and, and it's, it's a time for you when you look at what Jesus is telling us about how we should be living our life, this counterintuitive, countercultural way. It would allow you to see what Christianity really is meant to be. So that's why it's worth us taking a look at this and going, hey, how do we need to grow in this? Because when Jesus said this, he, he, he didn't say, when, blessed, blessed are the pure in heart. He, he didn't say, hey, blessed are, are those who, who look like they have a pure heart. He didn't say, blessed are those who've done a really good job of showing to others that, that, that you look like you have a holy heart and a pure heart. That when we think about this, this word heart, this cardia, that's a Greek word, that we, this is where we get our understanding of cardiology, that the study of the heart, the organ. Or, or we think of getting a cardio workout and working out our heart, that, that we're familiar with this sense of, of cardia, of knowing this heart. But, but the heart isn't just a, a physical organ for us. When we know somebody that's gone through an emotional trauma, we, we look at them and we understand that they are going through a heartache, that their heart is breaking. And we know that. We, we, we think about that heart and we go, man, it's, it's a heart that's suffering. And, and Jesus is saying that there is a blessing that comes from having a pure heart. And when we think about this pure heart, the pure heart, it's the unseeable me. That, that's, that's the pure heart. It, it, it's the part that you don't always get to see, but but our Heavenly Father sees it. Jesus, our Savior, he sees it. He knows this. And so he's saying, hey, when, when I look, when the Heavenly Father looks, and when he's the one that looks and sees your heart, there's going to be a blessing that's going to come for those that have a pure heart. And that can be pretty intimidating for us to think in terms of, what, it was, what is it that I've got to do? How, how is it that I'm going to be able to get myself to a place that I can actually have a pure heart? Well, I've got some good news for you. And the good news is, is that you don't have to work extra hard for you to get a pure heart. Because this is something that God will do in you. But you have to give him permission. You have to allow him to do this. And if you will allow him to do this, that he will absolutely do this. So that we have this, uh, this God that loves us unconditionally. And, and nobody loves us like God loves us. And nobody blesses us like God blesses us. So let's look specifically at one of the things that God said to one of his prophets, Ezekiel. And he was talking about, about the heart. And so what did he say? He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. That Ezekiel records this in chapter 36 where, where God's just saying this. That God's going to do it. He's going to give us a, a new heart and put a, put a new spirit. Sometimes we, we, we feel like we've got a broken spirit. Sometimes we feel like the only thing we know and we feel and we experience in life is sorrow and sadness. And we need a new spirit in us. And it is our Heavenly Father that wants to give us a new heart. 
But there's this exchange that he's wanting to do, that he wants to do with us. And what's the exchange? I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That we don't often say heart of stone when it comes to people that we think of and go, hey, they, 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 their heart, it's, it's, it's crusty. We actually say they've got a cold heart, that they're cold hearted. And God says, hey, I want to remove that from you. And I want to give you a heart of flesh, one that's pliable, one that's moldable, one that's shapeable, one that's willing to receive from me. And that's what our Heavenly Father is wanting to do. And Jesus knows this when he says, blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. So there's three things I really want us to look at and focus on this morning, and the three ways to cultivate a pure heart. How how do we cultivate this? How how can this be something with us that we end up having so that we can see God? How how do we get here? So Jesus, I want to fast forward, Jesus gives his life. And as as he gives his life that on the third day, You have his mother Mary, another Mary, some other ladies that that they want to go show up at the tomb and they're taking spices with them to be able to anoint the body. And and the reason that they're showing up after the third day is because, see, Jesus had made a prophecy and he had said that in three days I will rise again. And so because of that, the powers that be, they, they said, hey, the Pharisees told the wrong, hey, we insist that you put somebody on guard and you seal that tomb because otherwise they're going to take that body and they're going to say that, that he's risen. And so we need, and so they did, they put guards out there. And, and so there they are, it's the, it's the third day. So now they're showing up and, and, and so they show up so that they can have the stone rolled away. They can begin to anoint Jesus' body and bury him properly. But yet when they show up, they see an angel. And the angel says to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? So I want to pick this up in in Luke chapter 24. And we're going to spend most of our time on on ways to cultivate a pure heart on, on, on this very first one. And so the ways that we get to cultivate a pure heart is to be quick to believe. Be quick to believe. It's not, no, don't be slow to believe, but be quick to believe. And when we're talking about believing, we're talking about believing God. We're talking about believing Jesus. And this isn't something that's just true when we're thinking about putting our faith in him, when we're starting to see, okay, I think God is real. I think Jesus, when we, but be quick to respond to that. But for those of us that we've already bowed the knee of our heart, we're already Christ followers. We need to also be quick to believe where God's leading us, where God's guide. We need to be quick to believe this, and we need to follow it. And because if we linger and we delay, then sometimes we'll end up not following through. And so we need to be quick to believe so that we will be quick to act. And so this is one we're going to spend the most time on. And so let's look at what unfolds. So he is not here. He is risen. And remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. This is what the angel is telling these ladies. And and Satan, remember? Do you remember what he told you? And so the son of, he's telling them what he told The son of man must be delivered over to the hands uh, hands of sinner, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. 
Do you remember this? He, he told you this. And so he's not here. He has risen. And this is what they're laying out. And so when, when that happens, then they remembered his words. And so you got his mother and you got these other, and they're like, we remember. And, and here's the angel saying, why are you looking for the living among the, we remember. And so they go back to tell the disciples. And as they go back to tell the disciples, the disciples have been kind of fearful for their lives. And they've just been kind of uh, holed up and, and just, just going, hey, we, we're not willing to get out there. We don't know what they're going to do to us. And, and so they return and they tell the disciples. And Peter, when he hears this, he just bolts. And he runs to the tomb. And when he gets to the tomb, he runs there and he goes there and he gets there and he walks right in. And what he sees there is he see, hey, hey I, I, I see his clothes, his grave clothes, but there's no body. He's going, he has, he's, he's risen. And he knows this and he recognizes this. Well, word's starting to spread about what's, what's happened and, and there's not a body here anymore. And so there's this story that we call it the, the road to Emmaus. And, and the story about the road to Emmaus is where you have some of these believers, two of them, we get one of their name, Cleopas, and we get these two believers and, and they're walking along and, and we're gonna pick this up and see what is it that's happening on this journey. So now that same day, two of them, believers, were, were going to a village called Emmaus. And it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're making their journey, and they've got this little journey to go on. And they were talking with, the, with each other about everything that had happened. Now as they're talking about it, they're, they're talking in defeat. Yeah, we really thought that Jesus, he was going to be the Savior. He was going to restore Israel, and we were going to be the power nation, and we were going to have to bow down to the Romans anyway. And, and they're talking through all of this, and they're talking through all these events and all these things that had happened. And so as they're talking through them, this is what we see take place. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Now, I realize there's probably a lot of us that... that this is not new to us. We're not seeing this for the very first time. In fact, we've seen it so much, it's kind of like, oh yeah, of course, Jesus just came up and he walked along the side of them. But well, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of what was really taking place. Here, these two guys are walking along, they're defeated, they're questioning what's happening, where's that body, what could be going on, and, and they're just walking, and all of a sudden this guy just joins them. And it's Jesus. It, it would be like this, I think. That I don't know, maybe I'll go a little long. You'll be a little hungry by the time you leave here. And so you're going to be heading straight to a restaurant. And, and so you're, you park your car and you're walking up to the restaurant. And as you're walking up to the restaurant, somebody just starts walking right beside you. And it's JC. In the flesh. It's just walking with you. But you don't know that it's him, but he knows that it's him. And he knows you. This is what happened to these two guys. They're just walking along, and then Jesus comes along and walks along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. That, that Jesus, it wasn't time to reveal it yet. And so to Jesus, he's, he's walking along with them, and he just says to them, hey, what are you guys discussing? And they stopped, literally. They stopped walking. And they just looked defeated. And they say, have you not heard? Do, do, do you not know of the things that have happened? Are, are, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened? And, and they're questioning him. They're, they're asking him all of this. And so when they're saying, hey, do you not know these things that have happened? That Jesus responds to them. And as Jesus responds, what things, he asks. Like he doesn't know, you know? I mean, 
What things? And, and yes, he knows. He just wants them to share and for them to say it. And he wants them to say it out loud. And so he does. He engages with them and says, hey, well, what, what things? What things are you talking about? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And so as they're telling this, they said, the chief priests and our rulers, these Roman leaders and, and some of the, even the Pharisees, and how everybody had this, the, the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. And they're just laying this out for, for Jesus. And look at this. But we had hoped. It's past tense. Their hope is gone. We had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. Now, you might think of the third day and go, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the third day. Exciting, right? But you need to understand their culture because the third day was defeating. See, they lived in a culture that they believed that somebody could be dead for a day and they could still come back to life. They also believed that somebody could be dead for two days and they could come back to life. But once the third day came, no chance. And all hope was gone. And so when they're saying this, they're saying, and, 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 and once more, it's, it's the third day. It can't ha- he's, he's done. He's gone. That's what they're saying to Jesus. In addition, some of our women amazed us. And they went to the tomb early this morning. And they amazed us because like, his body's not there, right? They're, they're telling them what took place. But they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. They didn't get to see him for themselves, but he's alive. And so they're, they're, they're telling this and telling this account. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. They didn't, they didn't see him either. And he said to them, Jesus, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And see, if we're going to cultivate a pure heart, we need to be quick to believe. And what Jesus is telling them is that they're foolish and how slow they are to believe. All the prophecies that have been shared by the prophets before and by Jesus himself. And I think what Jesus, as he's getting at this, that he understands that fear, doubt, and unbelief that they work overtime to corrupt our heart. Well, we've got this fear, we've got this doubt, we've got this unbelief, it, it does, it just begins to corrupt our heart and keeps us from trusting God. It keeps us from trusting Jesus. That I think about FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And when I think about fear, uncertainty, and doubt, I think about this little guy right here. Salt. And why do I think of salt when I think of fear, uncertainty, and doubt? Because just a little does what? Goes a long way. 
just a little bit of fear, a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of doubt, it goes a very long way. But when you think about the ingredients of what you might be cooking or baking with, this is my favorite ingredient, sugar. I, I, I love the sugar. And, and, and here's the thing, when it, when it comes to the salt, and you end up being somebody, maybe you're like me, and you're going to make some uh, chocolate chipless cookies. Yes, you heard me right. Um, I do not like chocolate, and so I make my chocolate chip cookies chocolate chipless. And it calls for a teaspoon of salt. But that same recipe calls for three quarters of a cup of sugar. Ladies, you should be impressed that I know that. But the reason that I know it is because I will actually make this myself. And I will. I'll I, I, I just come in there and I'll get all the ingredients. I, I just mix it. But also, it's not just that I don't like chocolate in my chocolate chip cookie, so I get chocolate chipless. But I'm like, why bake them? They don't need to be baked. And so I just make the recipe in half, and I pick that little bowl, and I go sit in front of my TV, and I just start enjoying my chocolate chipless cookies, you know? But you got all these other ingredients that, that, that you need a lot of. You got two and a fourth cups of flour. You got, you got things that just, it takes a lot of it. And when it comes to our faith, that, that, it takes a lot of faith in order for us to see a big difference and to trust, but just fear and uncertainty, just a little tiny smidgen. It goes a very long way. So let's get back to this road to Emmaus and what's taking place. And did not the Messiah, Jesus talking, did not the Messiah about himself have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Being crucified and being rejected. Didn't he have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. They've got this hour and a half journey. They're just walking along, and Jesus is laying all of this out before them. And then they get to the point where they're reaching this village of Emmaus, and Cleopas and his buddy, they're, they're ready to just kind of go on, but, and Jesus just acts like he's going to keep on walking and keep following the road. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 it's, it's getting late, Come in and, and, and we'll feed you. You stay the night with us. So they do. They, they invite him and Jesus goes in. And we see, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Sounds like the previous meal that Jesus had with some believers then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. This is the resurrected Jesus and the resurrected Jesus, what he did during these 40 days of appearing back on earth is he would constantly be showing up physically in the flesh and then boom, he'd just vanish and he'd show up somewhere else. This is what he did. He he was showing his glory and he was showing his power and who he truly is. And, and then we get to see, right after he vanishes, we get to see Cleopas and his buddy, we get to see, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
were not our hearts burning? While Jesus was doing this and Jesus was helping to purify their hearts, making it a pure heart, and helping them to be quick to believe again. And we're not our hearts burning within us. They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Now there's another encounter that's already taken place. They're gathering, they're, they're hearing about this. And what you and I, what we, what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, ask yourself this, am I walking in faith or do I walk in fear, doubt, and unbelief? Which way are you choosing to walk? Because we're either going to walk in one or we're going to walk in the other. And, and when we walk in faith, it's going to cause our heart to be pure. And when we have a pure heart, we're going to eventually see God. But it's going to take faith to believe that Jesus is who he has claimed to be. Jesus is who he had shown the people who he claimed to be. And he revealed it. There's, there's even the guy doubting Thomas. And he was one of the disciples. And doubting Thomas was somebody that when they were telling him that he's risen from the dead, he goes, well, I'm not going to believe it. So I see with my own eyes and I touch and feel with my own hands the, the hole in his side and the hole in his wrist. Then I will believe. And Jesus granted him that. And then he told him, hey, you, you, you believe because you've, you've seen and felt. But blessed are those who believe that have not seen me. So if we're going to cultivate a pure heart, we've got to be quick to believe. But secondly, we need to be quick to forgive. This can be a challenge for us to be quick to forgive. And when I'm saying this, you guys need to know I'm saying this to myself just as much as I'm saying this to you. This is one that can trip me up because I can pat myself on the back that I eventually come around to forgiving, but I'm not always quick to forgive. And if we're going to have and cultivate a pure heart, then we need to be quick to forgive because it's when we're at a place that we're not willing to forgive that it's corrupting our heart and keeping our heart from being pure. That we get to see in the book of wisdom, the Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from our heart. Proverbs 4.23, this is what we need to get and understand. We need to be able to see this. Everything we do, it flows from our heart. So what do we need to do? We need to guard it. We need to protect it. If it's going to be pure, we're going to have to protect it. And so when we think about the way that we might not forgive, refusing to forgive is caused by a heart condition. And what's that heart condition? I'm selfish. And I'm guilty of this. I, I, I can just be selfish and, and not be willing to forgive. That, that Paul actually taught us the importance of this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get, get rid of all of this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Listen, it's heartbreaking, but I know somebody that had a little scuffle with her mother-in-law. She was eight months pregnant. And the scuffle had to do with the mother-in-law didn't help cook breakfast or clean up after breakfast that morning. 
And so the daughter-in-law got so upset by this that she ends up writing a letter to every family member and shares with them what took place and how they need to pick a side. Side with her or side with me. And if you don't let me know that you're picking my side, you're picking her side. And then her daughter was born. A couple years later, another daughter was born. And for 16 years, that mother-in-law didn't even get to see her son, let alone her grandchildren. And it wasn't just the mother-in-law, but the mother-in-law and who she was married to, he wasn't allowed to either. Because there wasn't this quick to forgive. And, and with this lack of this quickness to forgive, it ends up blowing this up so much that it ends up just becoming a, a so much bigger issue than what it is. That, that really, we need to understand this, that the slower you are to forgive, the bigger the issue becomes. And this is why this is important for us to be quick to forgive. Because the slower we are at it, the more things can just begin to snowball and we create more distance in this relationship where forgiveness is needed. And that lack of forgiveness, it it caused these two girls to, to not know the love of their grandparents while they were growing up. And now there's somewhat of a relationship, but it's not near what it ever could have been if grandma and grandpa could have grown up being involved and engaged in the life of their grandkids. And, and, and I think, I, I, I like to think, I don't know this, but I like to think that this person, that there were times that they thought, oh, let it go. Let's, let's get back to life. But I think it was bitterness it just would rise back up and it'd be, no, no, no. Because that's what bitterness does. That, that when we think about bitterness and how it works against us, that a bitter heart has a self-justifying heart. And that, that when our heart's bit, we can justify every evil, every harsh, every selfish thing we do because we're bitter. And we justify it because of our bitterness. That's what we do. And Jesus, he wants us to have this pure heart. And a bitter heart is not a pure heart. And so Jesus, what's he do? He, he knows that where we are and what we've been through. and what, That Jesus, he will, he will be the one to justify our heart. We can never justify our own heart. But he justifies it by what he did, not by what we do. And the third one, and we'll be quick. If we're going to cultivate a pure heart, the third one is be quick to repent. And so what, what, what is this repent? Well, this was shown to me years, 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 years ago. If you've not seen this, then, then this really should help you understand more of what repent is. That, that repent is that, that when you've been going the direction in your life that you've been going, a repent is an about face. It's, a, it's literally a, a 180. And so we, we repent because we, we've been walking away from God. We, we're not following the ways of God. And what we need to do is we need to repent and turn back to the, to the ways of God. And that we need to be quick to do this. And listen, we're, we're all sinners, every single one of us. And we all do things and we all mess up and we all blow it. 
but we need to repent. And sometimes I think that we get the idea, we get the thought of that, that when we repent, we've been going along, we've been walking away from God, doing our own thing, and we think we, we turn around, we go, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come back to you, and we think God's way over here. And God's going, hey, come back, come on. But what God's doing is, as we keep walking away from him, God's just one step behind us, keeping up with us. Just saying, I love you. I want you back every step we take. And that when we do finally repent, it's God's right here. He's never far from us. He's just wanting us to be back in relationship with him. And if you and I, if we're going to have a pure heart, we're going to cultivate this. We've got to be quick to believe and believe Jesus. We've got to be quick, quick to forgive others. And we've got to be quick to repent. Because if we're not quick to repent, we just keep walking away and our heart just keeps getting more and more corrupted. But it's when we repent, it's what Jesus does to our heart. It's not that we earn it. It's not that we do something all of a sudden, oh, we've earned our way to having a pure heart. It's not that we kind of wipe it off and clean it ourselves. It's what Jesus does. As we finally turn around and say, I'm going to turn away from that and I'm turning back to you, God. That that's what we do. And it's a, it's a way that, that our heart gets purified because of what God does. And purity begins with belief. And it's sustained through forgiveness and repentance. That it begins with belief and putting our belief in Jesus. And, and without that first step, we will never have a pure heart. We will never see God. But it's that first step that we take. And we put our belief in Jesus and it's sustained, a pure heart is sustained through the way that we're quick to forgive, the way that we are quick to repent and stay close to our heavenly Father. One last passage, Psalm 139, they're going to bring it up for me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's when you and I take this humble position before God. We repent, we turn back to him. Say, God, show me anything in my life that's not what it needs to be. And God, I want that conviction to come and I want to turn and I want to walk towards you and with you and in you. It's when we do that. So we all have the ability have a pure heart, but not because of how we can earn it, but because of what happens when we believe and we're quick to believe and trust Jesus. That what happens when we're, when we're quick to forgive and so bitterness doesn't grow? That what happens when we're, when we're quick to repent and realize, hey, I, I can't keep staying on this path. There, there's way too many scars and hurts to myself and others that's going to happen. I've got to turn around. I've got to get, be quick to do this. And that we need to make a habit of these quick things of being quick to believe. Even once you're a believer, be quick to believe and trust Jesus and his plan and his purpose. Be quick to, to, to believe that, hey, when he's laid out, this is not the best for you, and so don't. Be quick to believe it. Be quick to forgive. Because if you're not quick to forgive, that, that bitterness begins to grow and it corrupts our heart. And that we would repent. And if we will make these the habits of our life, the habits of our heart, there's a blessing that's going to come that can't come any other way. And that we 
will see God. And many of you listening online or here, many of you listening, you're going, you're, you're in. And you're going to see God. But maybe there's somebody that's listening and you're, you're not there. You, you've not fully put that belief in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you. You can reach out to us if you're online, but if you're here, I want to encourage you to stop by our next steps. And don't just stop by and don't put it off to next week when you've got more time. Be quick about it. And be quick. And when we dismiss, just get up and head out and go right there and just tell them, listen, I want to be quick to believe. Can you help me as I seek to make this decision of being quick to believe in Jesus? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you, you love us in a way that's so hard for us to comprehend. That you would give your son and allow him to go through what he went through. The rejection and the physical pain and spiritually being separated from you. But it just shows how valuable we are in your eyes. I pray that that, that would be something that would help us to be quick to believe and quick to forgive and quick to repent. And that, God, that we would be able to experience this blessing of being able to see you, be with you for all of eternity. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.